Live from the home office of Ag Solutions Network, it's the Ag Emerge Podcast. We're here to move the ag paradigm forward by helping you regenerate your soils using new ideas, research, and emerging technologies. Get ready to improve your soils, your crops, your livestock, and your family's livelihood. I'm Kim Sheese. And I'm Monty Bottoms. And we're your hosts. Thanks for joining us. Hello. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Aggie Merge podcast. Monty and I are here in the studio and we've got a lot of different things to talk about today, focusing on our Aggie Merge event coming up in Monterey, California, January 7th through the 9th. Not only have you heard us mentioning this event, we've hosted some of the past and upcoming speakers right here on the podcast. So we're just going to dig in and talk about why this event is so different from other conferences, how as an attendee, you can really get to participate in the discussions. And we're going to talk some about what you can expect at Aggie Merge if you choose to join us for this exciting event. And we sure hope you will. So Monty, it's good to be here with you this morning. And let's talk about what Aggie Merge is all about. Well, it's awesome. And, and we're, we're recording this the, on November 1. And we just received here in the Quad City area eight inches of snow. I know Colorado's been hit uh, twice with snowstorms, and Montana shut down with snowstorms. Maybe we need to repeat. Uh, this is in Monterey, California. So there you go. There is a great reason. And uh, because it's in Monterey, even the folks in California that are dealing with all the smoke from the wildfires, um, normally you've got enough uh, onshore flow that uh, at least we can get into clean air there in Monterey. So uh, that's a selfish reason, but there's one reason. It's in Monterey, California. It's a beautiful place. It's my wife's favorite place. It's one of my favorite places. And if you haven't been there before, it will be one of your favorite places too. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, when we were there last year, and I believe it was about 60-some degrees and a gorgeous time in January, having flown in from Illinois, it felt very uh, nice to be there. So we're excited about that. But but even more than that, that's just the beginning of the good stuff that goes on at Aggie Merge. The environment is beautiful. That helps. But the content that is provided at the Aggie Merge conference is really like no other, isn't it, Monty? I mean, you, you mean really... we're supposed to learn something here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I see. No, the content is unique. Um, you're right, Kim. We, we really strive to open up people's minds. I, I think a lot of the things that we have an option to go to today or listen to or watch YouTube and those kind of things are in the moment type of things, and, and we need those. Mm-hmm. But there's there's plenty of content in that space for how do I do what I need to do here today? And we realize that we're doing that on a one-on-one consultative basis with our customers through Ag Solutions Network, and, and those kind of things are happening on a, on a tailored basis all the time. Ag Emerge is really designed to help us think into the future. Where are we going? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of emerging trends. So there's emerging ideas in regenerative agriculture. Uh, what does that mean and how does that apply to large-scale agriculture? There's emerging trends in ag technologies. So automation, robotics, sensor, decision, computerized decision-making, all those kind of things, those are all emerging trends. Now, how do those, how do those come together? And there's, there's several other things that are that are always rising to the top, and we try to address those those trends and those issues just so you can be thinking, as a farmer, where do I need to be putting my focus in the future? What do I need to be investing in? Where, where are we going to be in 10 years? Looking at that long-term horizon. As an entrepreneur, where are these trends going? How does regenerative agriculture and what the consumer wants uh, impact my automation device that I've come up with or my sensor technology or my, you know, data management platform that I'm working with so that I as an entrepreneur or a business owner can be ready for the future. And the thought leaders, it's really a platform for their Mm -hmm. ideas of the future to to be conveyed to a person. So, you know, that's that's one thing about Aggie Merge. So, again... You're kind of like, ah, so what? You know, I can go to a technology conference. I can go to, you know, hear some 
uh, thought leaders uh, do their thing, and 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 I can you know get some big picture thinking somewhere else. But I think the really really amazing part is the venue and being together. Yes. Even if you were subscribed to our Aggie Merge uh, channel and and were able to watch all the videos from from home, which is great, you know, it's easier, less costly, and those kind of things. The real magic happens being there in person because mm-hmm. when we have a one-hour session followed by a half-hour break, when people first see that schedule when they get there, they think, oh, my goodness, half-hour break. Yes. Well, what are we going to do with all that time? Right. And uh, after about the first session, we have to, uh, you know, uh, kind of r- heard r- ring the bell, shout, <laughs> heard them into the room, right? Because yeah, everybody's that- just talking and interacting and, and thinking about, well, what do you think about this? Well, I've tried that. I've tried that. Do you think that'd work there? They're feeding off of each yes. other. And that's where the learning occurs. And and you know from that very first break. And and in fact, I was looking back at some of the comments and and that was one of the big things is that folks thought, oh, a half hour break. And then uh, after that very first break, we could see people were engaging Mm-hmm. instantly. And it was exciting. It There was a buzz in the room, a hum of just excitement and conversation. And so that was really an important piece. And the cool thing is that because it's kind of an intimate venue setting, uh, you get a chance to really engage with the speakers. And they're moving around the room and talking with folks. And so it's really a, a unique opportunity to be able to, to share ideas. Right, and I, and then the other thing is, is we we want to present the ideas and and these emerging trends and and where agriculture is headed, right? So that's head knowledge, which is important. Sure. But in life, twenty percent of everything we do is head knowledge. Eighty percent is behavior. Mm-hmm. So a lot of us know what we need to do, but we don't have the willpower or we're, we have peer pressure or we have some other things that get in the way of us actually making that change. So it'd be really cool if we could get a speaker to speak about that. Well, then. yeah, it would be cool. If, um, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're reminding me. We've got somebody like that, in fact. <laughs> but I think, you know, the biggest thing is change to affect change. Uh, we're not robots. Mm-hmm. We're not computers. Mm-hmm. We're not, if we just sit and watch something on a screen, and uh, YouTube away our life, but then don't try anything. Don't do anything. Don't um, make something happen as a result of the information that we've seen, then then it's a waste of time. Why are you doing it? You'd be better off, you know, go do go fishing, go go golfing, go hunting, go do any right. any ing thing, but watch YouTube if you're not gonna do anything with it, right? Right, right. So that's the important part of gathering together and all of the social interaction that we've built into it. Um, and because as humans, we learn in a social context mm-hmm. and, and take action within that social context. So it's one thing we certainly have got the meat there uh, for you to enjoy, uh, both on, the, on our plate, on the menus, mm-hmm. <laughs> or in the sessions. But the real key is that interaction one-on-one uh, with these speakers, with other farmers, with other entrepreneurs, just learning how can we collaborate together to really bring what's needed to change in the agricultural community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like that, and especially the collaboration. I think that's one of the things that we just hear over and over again, this common denominator is being able to have, I don't want to say like-minded thinking that we're all thinking the same way, but yet the same willingness to investigate. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've got some real challenges mm-hmm. you know, coming forward in agriculture and I just had um, created a little discussion on social media about where we're going on the finance side and the general economy of the ag uh, mm-hmm. community. Yes, there's been you know little micro trend things, but just on a macro trend basis, when you look at the entrance of fake meat or Beyond Meat, <laughs> right. Impossible Burger, right. those kind of things, plant-based proteins replacing livestock. You know, if if you get a twenty percent shift from livestock to uh, plant-based proteins, mm. you wind up with a lot of acres not needed. And what's going to go there? Because it won't be replaced 100% by all of the, you know, beans and, you know, sure. uh, various lentils and such that go in to make these products. 
So I think it's going to be a real paradigm shift there. And I think there's some, you know, serious financial struggles that we have. Working capital's been really obliterated, especially in the commodity crops here in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And that that's a that's a problem. We haven't seen it yet, but boy, with all of the great general economy news with record low unemployment mm-hmm. and huge GDP growth, mm-hmm. that just screams inflation. Okay, right. so right now we're we're lucky, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. working capital borrowing is um, cheap, pretty, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but w- when when does a, something like the '70s event kick in? Right, you know. So that that really looks at you know. What what's going on there? Mm-hmm. I don't like to be a Debbie Downer, but I, I I also like to look at what are what is the reality, you know. And plus, like uh, a friend of mine just closed his dairy, and he's converting from all dairy from dairy and almonds to all almonds, you know, mm-hmm. because the shift in the market is to plant based proteins. Mm-hmm. So he saw the trend, and he's he's going on trend there. Another friend of mine's considering doing the same thing, and I'm sure there's several other. Dairymen who I haven't had those conversations with that are thinking about doing that, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's there's many many things changing, and especially when automation gets here, um, on a more broad scale basis, along with you know we've got a just a, a regulatory in, environment that's it's interesting to to move around. So you think about all these things together, it's like okay, why are we growing stuff that maybe people don't want? Mm-hmm. in a way that is highly regulated. And we're trying to just stay ahead of the regulations. We're trying to just stay ahead of the water use efficiency. And we're kind of growing stuff that, that people may not necessarily want, especially in the commodity side. Maybe we just need to stop, take a pause, and, and think about, hmm, what should we be doing long term? Right. You know, and, and if it's a major change in your production paradigm or resources, it's something you want to start thinking through now so you're prepared and you can try a little bit at a time versus five years from now and all of a sudden if change happens, which it always does, mm-hmm. and you're forced to make an abrupt change and do it large in a risky way, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a good idea to start looking at these ideas and concepts and, and really taking a, a look into how we should be positioning our farm for a decade or two from now. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's one of the things as we've looked at the speakers that we've brought in for Aggie Merge, we really try to address that. Like, you know, we're not just thinking what's a practical application for today. We are thinking that five, that 10 years mm-hmm. out that we really need to be able to have some options. And it allows the producer to be in the driver's seat. You mm-hmm. you get to steer the vehicle. You're not at the mercy of mm-hmm. a different driver. And I, I really believe that farm profitability, uh, community viability, rural mm-hmm. community viability, right. uh, environmental-related uh, benefits, mm-hmm. uh, ecosystem services mm-hmm. is um, a fancy way to say mm-hmm. that, and animal welfare, human nutrition, right, and, and those things are all interconnected and can all be done simultaneously. Yes. It's not like we, you know, why, why are we looking at increasing profitability to shortcut uh, ecosystem services or to shortcut human health? You know, right. if, if you design a production system right from soil to plate and everything in between and really focus on that over the long haul, all of those goals align mm-hmm. and they're all needed. We, right. all, we, we need increased profitability at the farm gate level. We need increased profitability and, and economics within our rural communities. We need those opportunities to improve human health, uh, you know, all envi- environmental services. All of those things are dramatically needed. Right, right. And they can be solved. And they can be. And, and that's just it. Um, I feel like sometimes people look at it and think, oh, it's this overwhelming uh issue and we don't know how to get our hands around it so we just don't and um, what we're discovering is you know just digging in I mean what are just some uh, things that you've identified as as things that you thought might be a a real hurdle as you started adopting these practices that you found uh, ways around are there uh, things that you could think of that come to mind right away 
so on our farm, we're we're working with and experimenting with regenerative production practices, mm-hmm. incorporating into row crop farming. Okay, so a lot of regenerative production practices are currently being done on pasture-based farming. So I I don't know too many knotheads that are trying to do what I'm doing. It's hard work, right? We're, so we're kind of having to start out and, and figure it all out from the beginning, but it's possible. So when we first started, we had no clue how we were going to do it. So we started small, big enough to where we could experience, but not too big to where if it was an utter failure or right. the cows ran away or whatever, it wasn't the end of the farm, right? Yes. So uh, we didn't start with 2,000 head. We started with 18. So, And then we also knew that we needed to uh, determine our own destiny when it comes to marketing. Rather than just taking it to a sale barn, working with a contract buyer, we knew we needed to take control of having the animal processed and selling the meat directly. Mm-hmm. Fast forward now, three or four years that we've been into this project, I have gotten very comfortable, and I was just telling someone the other day, I, I'd give ourselves about an 85%, you know, a solid B, B mm-hmm, plus. For sure. On the production side. I think we're, we're doing really good on that in order to bring livestock back to the land. Mm-hmm. So following soil health principle number five, and you need everybody needs to do one through four. That's easy. Just do it. Right. One through four. You know, keep the ground covered, don't till, something growing all the time, diverse rotations, right? One, two, three, four. Right. Do it. Uh, I mean, that's an easy step. Now, integrating livestock, that's the hard one. So, again, I never recommend anything to a farmer that I'm not willing to do myself. So, you know, when it was snowing and sloppy yesterday, uh, the cattle had got out because the battery had gotten dead um, and had shorted out on the snow, all this stuff. So, yep, we're catching them in the neighbors, running them over the fence. All was fine, but I was cold. I will say that. It was very cold. All hands on deck kind of an experience. Exactly. But, you know, we're learning how do you put those infrastructure things in place and and how do you, you know, we figured out ways to keep uh, water thawed with no energy inputs. Yes. So just using solar or modern energy, I guess. We're using solar energy for pumps or for air bubblers, mm-hmm. and we're using geothermal energy by having tanks below ground as a heat source to circulate to below ground, and uh, you know, just coming up with those ways that we can can do those things. So, yeah, it, there's no just silver bullet to anything, right. but we're, we're trying to learn the context of how this works. Then, once we kind of have an understanding of that, how do we help farmers in other geographies and other climates and other crops right. adapt it to their 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 specific location and needs. Right, because your standard line is the principles remain the same, but the practices vary from region to region. Right. So, and that that's one part of it. And I, I just you know the livestock's one part of it, and it's I, I it's tough to to figure out. But I feel we've we've gotten a pretty good handle on it. And in one more year's time. I, I think it's going to be pretty well dialed in, and, and it's going to be about the time when we've got some people that we're working with on the fenceless systems mm-hmm. that uh, that'll make really change the paradigm of animal production on row crop land. Mm-hmm. Big if you don't mm-hmm. need fences, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is is uh, you know watering solutions, and we developed some things this year on the farm for watering solutions, mobile watering solutions that were pretty pretty neat, and mm-hmm. there's we got some re- more refinement to do next year, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm pretty excited about what that can be. For sure. Well, and I'm excited to see, I've gotten to experience the farmer's market experience a little bit. And then also because we're at a pickup location, um, I get to talk with the consumers that come in to eat the meat and they're excited about it. Of course, I'm someone who says, you know, well, I hope you enjoy it. Oh, we're enjoying it. You know, it's a, it's something where they, it's a pretty savvy consumer, mm-hmm. I feel. Um, they're well. They're educated on where their food comes from. Uh, they want to know the farmer that's raising it, and they're just interested in, you know, making good choices for their health. And so it's kind of interesting to see their their excitement and enthusiasm about picking up their meat, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a rather mundane thing that we normally do, right? Sure. And and then you wonder how how is this connected? to 
what we're going to be talking about, Aggie merge. You know, it's, it's like it's all a it's all a system. You know, everything works as a system together. And you know what we heard Dr. White talking about with the soil microbial community and and how that works, how the plants select microbes last year. Heard how Gabe's doing it a farm to farm to table strategy at his farm. Heard how you know Brad was doing his. And now this year we're going to have more people talking about cover crops and and how they're relay cropping and you just multiple things and and how we're tracking that the entire way through the process. How we're using sensor data, all those kind of folks. Um, show how all the different components, how it works together as a system so that you understand the dynamics so that you as an attender then can take and be ready for where agriculture is headed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it's not going to stay the same where it's at. It can't. It hasn't. Right. Never has. And it, and it won't in the future. And, uh, you know, bigger and better and, and more, and less diversity in the future, is it going to happen? Uh, we, we've we've pushed the monoculture system and the big equipment system about as far as we're going to. Right. You know, uh, mm-hmm. it just takes a lot of weight to fold up forty eight row planter. It takes a lot of weight to run a sixteen row combine. Mm-hmm. You know, so those kind of things. Uh, we've reached um, the technology. We're gonna we're gonna find ourselves going backwards, as mm-hmm. someone might say, but mm-hmm. actually forwards by having, you know, smaller units and many, many of them that uh, it'll become farming as a service. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's just fascinating to see all the different aspects coming together. And when you look at that big picture, I mean, that's why Aggie Merge is a great setting to be, you know, you're at the first of the year when you look at sitting there in January, it really gives you an opportunity to focus on what direction do I want to go. And the one thing that I see when we talk about, you know, the diversity of what you're able to do, it reminds me of our conversation with Tom Cotter a few months ago, where he just talked about the opportunities that he had in some adversity where, you know, a late season start or something like that, because of diversity options, he was able to kind of mix things up a little bit. When you're, you know, when you've got these mono, you know, cultures, you don't have those opportunities. So I, I think that that's a, a key thing that we can look at and, and it gives people an opportunity to see how they might be able to do that too. Yeah, our hope is is that, and, and one of the drivers behind why we created Aggie Merge was we knew the future was going to be wildly different. Mm-hmm. And we saw multiple paths it could take. And it just got to the point where I said to myself, I don't know. I just don't, I, I, I don't see it clearly what's going to happen when, when we started Aggie Merge, you know. And so I said, okay, let's just throw great farmers, great thinkers, you know, and great business people in a room together. Yeah. And see what happens. And um, that's what we did, right? We did. Yeah. And yeah. and the fun part is, is I still hear stories today, 11 months later, about somebody, what they'd talked about or what they'd heard or, you know what, I got to thinking about this and we're, we're going we're gonna to do this. Mm-hmm. We're just going to really change what we're doing. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, you know. I yes. hadn't thought of that, and congrats, kudos to you for for doing that. You know, some of these things are, I, I'd share what some of them are, you know, but the, it's there's some confidentiality stuff. But sure. I, it's just really fun to see what all of the changes um, that have happened. You know, we didn't do it, obviously. No. They did it. They did it, yeah. We just provided a forum to stimulate the mind to think beyond your current circumstances. Right. Right. Well, and as a result of that, and we had some of those things kind of happening a little bit before Aggie Merge, but uh, as people were adopting these ideas and concepts, because we've been talking about this within our company for a while, but one of the things that I saw is that people were excited to report what they saw happening in their fields to their soils the things that were changing and, and as not to sound too corny, but it gave people some hope and excitement about having some control over their destiny of, of what direction their farm might go. So, mm-hmm. cause when you're deep in a situation, if you're running out of water, if you're running out of cash, 
if you don't have a, a market for what you're able to grow in your area, it just seems like you've run to, into a dead-end road and you don't know what to do. And sometimes you just need to reach out and talk to people. And what I really want to do is I want to encourage people, before you get down to the end of that road, that dead-end road, you know, let's take a look around, right? What's going on out there? How can we uh, change what we're doing? and go maybe a little bit different direction and offer some hope uh, for you and, and your family for, for generations to come. So now by any means, you know, at Ag Emerge, um, we want you to be ahead of trend. We want you to, we want to constantly empower you, educate you, give you the resources that you need, which is the thinking side of things. But then what's most important is the 80%, the doing side of things, you know, that behavioral change to help do something based on the information that you learned. And what I love out of uh, the people that I've talked to that have been to Ag Emerge, they've done something different. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I think that's it's just such an important thing to say is that they're, they're finding hope, but they're also making changes. Because if you find a solution, but you don't implement it, you're not, uh, you're not getting out of that. You're always doing what you always did. You're always getting what you always got. Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity to uh, really see things differently. In fact, our keynote speaker, she's actually worked with um, the Navy SEALs. There's a whole list of folks that she has worked with, people who do things in intense environments and have to learn how to think differently. Mm-hmm. And I think, okay, that what a great way for us to start. We're going to get a little lesson in how to, I don't, I don't want to say a lesson like we're getting schooled, but we're going to get some great information. Well, you know, the big thing is you're going to learn how your brain works. Yeah. Okay. And you're going to learn why when you receive new information, it's like, you don't want that in there. I've got <laughs> enough up here already. I don't need more, you know, right. more horsepower going to something new. I, I like to, you know... Dave Ramsey makes a comment. Well, Dave Ramsey makes the comment about the dirty diaper. You know, it's like, oh, well, it's warm and it's mine. I like it, you know, (laughs) but you got to change the diaper, right? So uh, at the same time, you know, she, she points out to us how our brains are wired to do what we've always done. They like to run down the same path. So when you become aware of that, now all of a sudden, you know, you can you can know that that's how you're going to act. So if you know that, then you can make a change accordingly. That's so right. I, that's pretty neat. And then after we get everybody all warmed up on on what to think about the the first night, then yes. the next morning, yes, yep, we start out with Dwayne Beck, right? And, and uh, uh, Dwayne isn't afraid to uh, just just let you know what you need to know. And that's, that's right. what I love about Dwayne. So he's going to be there with his multiple years of system studies, research that he's done, and he's a he's a real big picture thinker that I enjoy, and he'll ask questions that just make you go, huh, mm-hmm. yeah, I should have thought of that. So it's it's kind of a one-two punch. Uh, we planned it that way. Yes. So open up your mind, and then we're going to full, fill it full of Dwayne. That's great. And we just kind of keep going through that excitement of, mm-hmm. you know, Dwayne's going to go right for the jugular, give you that information. And then with Tom Cotter coming on. Tom's putting into practice uh, the exactly. type of systems research and, and discovery that Dwayne's done for years. And he's, he's putting in, you know, diverse crops and intercropping and livestock integration, all these things, and he's done it. Mm-hmm. And he's done it where you're not supposed to, okay? Where he's right. had everybody's supposed to moldboard plow. Somebody forgot to tell Tom, right? You know, and Tom's going to take, you got the theory with the practice. And, and those are just just great follow-ups to everybody. Everybody's going to love listening to Tom. I, I appreciate him being there. Yes. And then um, next, I, I think we've got up there on the thing. I want to make sure people know about Aaron Vincent. She was on a podcast with you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty amazing what they're doing on blockchain, not only for... Um, you know, food safety records and, and those kind of things, but, um, you know, how we can do identity preservation from, from field to plate right. in order to, because if we can do that, then we can maximize that value 
that the farmer has created and bring it back to the farm yes. instead of be caught in the middle with the middleman. That's so right. So that's, that's what the, the key takeaway from that's going to be. Yeah. Well, I think uh, if you've seen many of the posts, there's always the, the pie chart that shows how much of the money goes back directly mm-hmm. to the farmer and how much of the rest of that dollar from mm-hmm. a profit goes to everybody else. And it's right. not much on you on y'all's side. So. Right. And I'm excited to have Dave Williams really looking at energy on the farm, mm-hmm. how we use it, how we can produce it, how we can offset it. What does that mean for carbon credits? What does that mean for basically energy um, availability? Right. You know, a- energy delivery on the grid systems getting more and more precarious. You know, how can you be prepared for that? Right. Because if you have a cooler, if you have a dairy or something that needs electricity 24-7, exactly. you got problems. You do. So, you know, Dave's going to talk about where energy's at today and what the future is at. going to be excited to hear him speak. You know, yes. he's done a lot of things. Uh, he's got a current business where they're installing solar systems, but he has a real good perspective on the essentially minute-by-minute trading mm-hmm. and how the farmer can profit from that exactly. instead of, again, rolling up that what we're producing and letting somebody else get get their hand on all of it. Yes. Well, you've always said, you know, you can't save your way to profitability, but there are key things that you can do to uh, make re- to find revenue in some of these things mm-hmm. that we're looking at and that's that's exciting. Yep. And then Eric McSherry, uh, he's from uh, Planet and uh, it's interesting. I had a chance to meet with the folks from Planet at the World Agritech Summit last year in San Francisco or mm-hmm. earlier this year, excuse me. And they are just doing amazing things. They, they've created a satellite array that circles the Earth, and, and they can basically about, when it's fully up, they can take a picture of the entire Earth, I think every hour and a half, with multispectral imaging of any type that you can imagine, and they just want to be the Google for the planet as far as sure. they're capturing everything. Yes. And if you're a farmer and you want to know this, or if you're a construction company and you want to know this, or your forestry want to know that, they just have this data set. And they've created these little satellites about the size of a shoebox mm. that are small, they're cheap, and yeah. they fit on board. And the, the secret to their sauce is they hitch a ride when they go to outer space. So all these companies that are putting up these big communication satellites, mm-hmm. hey, there's room in the bay mm-hmm. for an extra 50 shoeboxes. Sure. So they throw in 50, 100 shoeboxes and goes up with it and just deploys. So their their ability to put them in space is is reduced, their cost per unit's reduced. And say again got, how many times you know, they can take th- their it. goal is to get, I believe, down to every hour and a half to so, take a picture of the entire surface of the earth. You know, we can log in and and we're looking at ways that we can right. partner with them to get the data streams that would be the most helpful right. for our customers. So they're collecting all the data. And they honestly, they don't know the value of everything they're collecting, sure. but they want to be just that database that then multiple users from multiple industries can can log in and, and get the information that they want. So he's going to be really interesting That's awesome. to hear. He's, uh, he's a senior director of global technical sales, so he uh, uh, really knows what all of the application of this technology is. So it's one thing to have all the doodads. What's most importantly is what do the doodads do for me, right? Right. So we want to make sure we're not just in love with the doodad. we got to be in love with the result that it can do. Right, so. right, yeah. Uh, I'm that, sorry for that technical speed there with doodads. No, so. yeah, no, yeah. that's uh, yeah. mine's normally a doohickey, so that's good. Okay, there you go. All right. Now, Kim, you got to share with us who you lined up here this week. We had one slot left open, and uh, you're pretty proud of this one. Well, I'm excited that uh, Monty kind of tasked me with uh, trying to get uh, Dr. Mulvaney from the University of Illinois. Well, you had pull. Well, it is my alma mater. There you go. I have learned in the building where his office is. Uh, <laughs> no, I was super excited because um, I've never met Dr. Mulvaney that I know of, although I think I was on campus when he was there. Um, I was excited about learning and and getting him on on as one of our speakers because when I first came to Ag Solutions Network, one of the first documents that you made me read, well, and I say made, made me yes, that you made yes. that he encouraged me to read amongst many books, uh, including uh, a lot of um, David Montgomery stuff, but um, was Browning the Green Revolution. It was a short like page and a half or two page summary of um, what nitrogen uh, was actually doing to our soil. Synthetic 
nitrogen, I guess I should say it that way. And being a kid who's a U of I alumni, um, I stood at the Morrow plots. I've had my picture taken by the Morrow plots. And um, those are part of the information that Dr. Mulvaney uses to talk about the research that he's done. So um, I was excited to get him to come on. I'll let Monty talk a little bit more about really why that's so exciting to have him uh, on the roster. Well, the Morrow plots are the oldest research plots in the United States. I think they're the third, or, North fourth, America. third or fourth oldest in the world. So... Um, <laughs> What they did is they've they've had different treatments over time, and and one is zero fertilizer applied, and one's a you know removal rate applied, and then one was a high fertility treatment. So it's like oh, well if some's good. What more is better? More is gooder. Yeah, more is better. And uh, so what they did is they've just I'm surprised there's any soil left in the plots from all the samples <laughs> they've taken over the years. But he it was basically look back through the the literature and the soil samples, mm -hmm. data set that they've had for 40 years, and said, huh, it's interesting, where we put on the more better, it's, uh, we're burning up carbon. What is going on? They researched into this more and the mechanisms, and basically, excess, bottom line, excessive nitrates are burning carbon out of our soils. Mm -hmm. we got to stop it, because we need carbon for water and all, everything else. So nitrogen is important, but it's not the only thing. Right. And putting on the right form of nitrogen right. at the right time that the plant needs it and in the right place that the plant needs it. And most importantly, at the right rate per acre, yes. we do the most benefit with the least harm. So, you know, I, you know, I see people dragging around gas tanks here in the fall. And it, just, it just makes you nuts. And then uh, it, you're just... They, you just can't believe that they're burning off the carbon that they're doing. And then, uh, you know, any time that we're slug feeding, putting out large amounts of nitrogen in season, even that's bad. So he's going to talk to us about that, what the mechanisms are behind there, how you need to design your nitrogen diet. And that's why when uh, customers are working with us at Ag Solutions Network, we are so particular about the nitrogen program. I mean, we've designed the nitrogen program, especially in permanent crops or irrigation drip or micro-sprinkler irrigation systems, where we're just dosing it on a part per million basis, you know, really low, you know, over time so that we don't excessively excite the soil microbiome and cause it to burn carbon mm -hmm. and put it in the atmosphere mm -hmm. because we desperately need it for growing plants. Anyway, excited he's coming. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, and you mentioned, too, that, you know, we talked about fall-applied nitrogen, but that's not every situation that right. all of our... That's more of a Midwest thing, mm -hmm. you know, but still, we, we um, you know, in almond crops, it's been traditional to put on lots of nitrogen on baby trees or, or early in the season when they, they just don't use it. In fact, there's other side effects in addition to losing carbon is causing disease. So uh, there's just... A yeah. lot of reasons to do the right thing. Yeah. So it'll be exciting to hear from him, and and uh, I'll be sure and get permission to wear my orange and blue at least one day while we're there. So, <laughs> Well, another person I'm excited to have at the conference this year is Matt Foes. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt is actually a quasi-neighbor of ours. He's about a half an hour away. He came to our farm, and we have a little strip-till, no-till throwdown. Uh, so we're running a, his strip-till rig without anything. So we just compare strip till versus no till. Then we're running a 40% of removal rate in the strip and 80% removal rate in the strip. And we've been taking images of this throughout the season. And we'll have the data there for our own experience. But Matt uh, has a background with uh, uh, Monsanto as an agronomist, seed agronomist, and then also with uh, Greg Souter's team at Precision Planting and 360 Yield Center. And now he's, uh, he's farming, his family farm, in addition with working with uh, Dowdy and uh, Hula out of uh, Georgia and North Carolina uh, with a high-yield corn production system and just what their approach is to, you know, weekly sap flow tests and, and all those really, really taking your management to the next level. So he's going to offer some, some great insights from you know, he's, he's been in the tractor seat. He's seen things happen. He's been on farms throughout the country. Um, and he's just a, a real, uh, I, I enjoy Matt. He's, um, he's pretty, 
soft spoken, but when when he's at uh, at commercial, when E.F. Hutton speaks, speaks, people listen. Yes. So I, I that is definitely think, Matt. Yes, intellectually curious. Oh, you know, yeah. he just uh, yeah. yeah. He's he's a genius, and uh, I've I've enjoyed visiting with him. So mm-hmm. I hope he's not listening to this. I call him a genius. <laughs> Next time I see him, he'll you know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Rub it in. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, then, of course, we got uh, our good friend uh, Keith Burns. Uh, known Keith for quite some time with Green Cover Seed. Uh, we've partnered with them through Ag Solutions Network to provide, you know, their cover crop mixes uh, to many of our dealers throughout the country. Uh, Keith just has an amazing knowledge base, an amazing passion for cover cropping and regenerative industry. He is. Uh, it, He's he, a big and, picture. Yeah, yeah, and him and his brother have just mm-hmm. done an amazing thing uh, mm-hmm. for the for the cover crop industry. Yes. They've always they've always been the leader, and they continue to be the leader. A lot of people just continue to play catch up with them, mm-hmm. but um, they got quite a business that they've that they've grown and started, and they've helped educate a real real heart of a teacher. Yes. And uh, a sharer, and with that smart mix calculator being free, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's enabling a lot of his competitors use it yes. to create their own. So it's mm-hmm. uh, he's he's done amazing things for the agriculture community, and and you will really enjoy hearing him uh, do his ag emerge address and his breakout session. But also, you're going to enjoy visiting with him one on one, right, at, at the meals and and on the breaks. Yes, I, uh, I think, I don't know how many thousands of people have watched his Carbonomics uh, uh, YouTube videos, but um, I've been fortunate enough to watch those, but also to see him speak. And uh, he's just, um, the way he articulates the ideas, it's not just cover crops. He's talking about the full system. And I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a bit of a theme with uh, Ag Emerge that these folks who come to speak don't just come to speak about their one topic. They understand that full system approach, and that's really what we're looking at to be able to help people to adopt these concepts and ideas and understand what's coming next because you can't just look at one section, right? And that's what we've done for so long a lot of times is we're just looking at one area. You know, we just fix this one problem or fix that one problem. And and that's not what we're looking at doing. And so I think that's part of what Keith really brings to the party is really looking at that entire system. So, And, and he told me too, he's, he's sure that uh, the weather in Monterey will be better than the weather in South Central Nebraska in January. So I, I can't I think even that's imagine. the real reason we've got him out there. But yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we dare... Do we dare mention our, our last uh, speaker that we've got in the lineup? Oh, yeah, for sure, because it's exciting. Well, uh, we, are, we are really honored to be able to have uh, Dr. Zach Bush uh, be a part of uh, Ag Emerge. Mm-hmm. And, and we really want to always emphasize the connection between what we're doing farming yes. to how we're feeding people. And uh, Dr. Bush has done an amazing amount of research in oncology and group um, populations and, and what is going on out there. And I think that uh, um, we're doing some things as farmers that uh, has basically the law of unintended consequences, you know. And we've we've been maybe told some things by by uh, people selling us inputs that aren't necessarily true. And we're kind of learning the long term impact of these things. And he he comes at it from a human health standpoint. Mm-hmm. He's seeing all of these trends going on, just wondering what is happening and he realizes that food is food is your medicine and right. he's backed up into the food chain is discovered you know some of the things that we're doing in conventional agriculture what's happening and he offers a perspective of how that impacts life yes and i think when we as farmers have a better appreciation for that mm-hmm. if Acquaintance of mine, Will Harris. Uh, he has a he has many famous sayings, but this is the one that always sticks in my head. And he's a regenerative farmer out of South Central Georgia, and he has a pretty good Southern drawl. And I'll I'll, I'll try to mimic it here. I'm probably embarrassed myself, but uh, I hope I don't think he'll be mad at me. But he he says, 
There are only three things in this world that you cannot hide. One is the sun, one is the moon, and one is the truth. Eventually, you will see all three. <laughs> so, yeah, that makes you think. Uh, Will's really good at, at making people think. And as farmers, if we're exposed to just what is the truth... Mm-hmm. And after you know that for a long enough period of time, it just simply bugs you. Mm-hmm. And after you get bugged enough, you do things differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a matter of once uh, you reach a certain pain threshold, you realize, hmm, I need to do something differently. Mm-hmm. So, you know, myself, I'm looking at what are our inputs and, and utilizing of uh, genetically modified crops. You know, do we need that? Uh, we're spending gargantuous amount of money for that technology. Can we do it without that? I mean, how many genetically modified crops are in California? Well, for most people, not many. You know, right. maybe silage corn, um, maybe some alfalfa. That's about it. And they're controlling weeds and pests and disease out there on 300 different crops. You know, why can't we figure out how to do it in the corn belt or in the wheat belt, mm-hmm. right? So... um and, and really, if we knew that there was downstream effects like that, so for paying more money, not necessarily seeing a greater profit out of it, and we can pick up a premium by not doing it, and there's not these nasty side effects, after you get enough of that input, you realize, huh, maybe I need to do something a little different. And Zach, uh, Dr. Zach, he's got a, a great perspective on that, and he'll bring to light some research that you probably don't hear every day, uh, microRNA and and how anxiety within an animal uh, it can transfer to humans or uh, stress factors can transfer. You know, looking at how uh, GMO gene editing can actually be assimilated into human DNA, um, all these kind of things, and uh, it just kind of opens up our mind a little bit mm-hmm. to see that maybe I shouldn't believe the marketing pitch that I'm being being told. By mm-hmm. uh, by big farm chemo, so, or uh, you know, I think we just have to always be aware and not be just looking in one direction. Mm-hmm. As farmers, we, you know, if you're you're standing on on top of a, a hill or out in the middle of an open field, you need to look around, not just not just look in one direction. And I think he gives us a good perspective to see, right. huh? There are things going on out there, so. You know, it's a truth, right? And uh, you can't hide the truth, as as Will Harris would say. But the reality is, what do you do with that truth? So you can either ignore it, hide it, and keep doing what you've always done. That's fine. Or realize that other people are going to figure out the truth, and other consumers are going to figure out the truth, and they're going to demand or want those kind of things. And if it's enough of a, a pain point for them, they're probably willing to pay a little more for those mm-hmm. things because it costs us a little more to make those things. Mm-hmm. And it can be an opportunity for us to diversify our income, uh, increase our profitability, reduce our expenses, all those things that go right back down to soil health. Right. So it, it's it's all interconnected, and, and we need to be aware of these things. Uh, it's not a world coming to the end thing. It's not no. we have to do this today or we need regulations or those kind of things. Just look at okay, what what is the truth? What is happening out there? And then when you know that, then you know how to position your farm, your business, your research accordingly to make these things happen. Mm-hmm. What I appreciate about Dr. Zach is he doesn't sit in an office somewhere and tell and, and prescribe what he thinks is going on. He's been working with the farmers he's visited i don't even know how many farms that he's been to Mm -hmm. where he's experiencing what the pain thresholds are what what are the pain points what Mm -hmm. what is it that they're dealing with i mean he completely understands how we got where we are Mm -hmm. and he's done that through uh, a lot of uh, interaction with with uh, different farmers of all different sizes and so i appreciate that because it takes time to do that to not just say to throw a a problem and point a finger that's that's not his approach and so i appreciate that very much because it does take time and energy to really understand 
uh, where that person comes from. And he creates a conversation and becomes friends with folks who he can then help to, you know, make affect this change of what he sees in his doctor's office every day with his patients. So yeah, he, he, he's going to really blow your mind. And, uh, and like you said, he likes to connect with people. He's a hugger. He likes to All share. Right. He likes That's to right. share. My wheelhouse. He likes to share biomes. So uh, yes. yeah, he's uh, he's all about that. So yes. No, it's uh, exciting to to have him here. I feel a real honor. Uh, I feel honor for all these people to be willing to come. These are all top notch people with extremely busy schedules, and it, and it requires us planning almost a year or better in a, ahead of time to be able to mm-hmm. get this kind of a lineup. And I'm I'm really feel honored to have these people. Uh, yes. be share the stage with us. So, yeah. and I think um, you know, as we get a little bit closer in, we'll talk a little bit about our technology showcase, and and those yes. kind of people are going to be here for that. But um, I think you are going to be amazed when you come to Aggie Merge and be able to connect one on one in in a smaller venue mm-hmm. with these just top notch people. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing opportunity for you to grow professionally, but and also to grow in your impact with your portion that you're in charge of stewarding. Yes, I agree. Um, I just don't think we hardly had a single person leave from Aggie Merge last year not changed. There, Yeah, there wasn't any of this, hmm, that was good. I mean. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. Like, eh, another meeting. Right. But no, it was, uh, you know, gosh, fantastic facility, fantastic food. You get that right, we're halfway there, right? Yeah, right. But, but you put fantastic uh speakers with a great format uh, that allows for the learning and the and the the penetration you know mm-hmm. infiltration mm-hmm. time right yeah and, yeah uh, right um that that's what that's what makes the difference yeah it's exciting and uh we hope that you will consider joining us at aggie merge in january the 7th through the 9th it's a great time to be in a great location but also it's a great time in our world to be looking at these things that we can do differently. There's uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of fun things going on. If you're looking for a way to start making some changes, looking at some new practices that you could adopt, or really just having some big picture discussions with some pretty heavy hitters, we would invite you to join us at Aggie Merge. You'll find information on how to register uh, in this podcast. Just click on the www.aggiemerge.com link and you'll see the registration link there and you can find out how you too can enjoy beautiful Monterey in January. Yeah, I'm just so thankful we're able to sponsor this and, and put this on. So it's uh, it's pretty exciting and, and really look forward to seeing you all there. And if you're on the fence, hey, feel free to drop us an email. Yes. Uh, get in touch with us. We'll, we'll help answer any questions you might have. It, it's a tremendous, tremendous experience and opportunity to be a part of this, and I sure hope you'll take advantage of it this year. All right. Thanks, Monty. It was a great day. Yeah, thanks. We hope to see you at Aggie Merge. <laughs>